Please stand for the reading of God's word as you are able. Our text this morning is John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. This can be found in your pew Bible on page 886 or in your worship folder. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which means Peter. Please be seated. Do please keep your Bibles open as we come now to study God's Word. Good morning. You had some wonderful music already today, I'm sure... Many of us are glad to have the choir back singing, and that's after their summer break. I wonder what it is that you are seeking. What are you looking for? There was a student who was studying in New York City. He himself was from Germany, and he'd come out to study in New York City to further his education and uh, to seek uh, really truth, I think. This student in New York City went to a number of different churches. He was a religious man, a German Lutheran, and he was looking around to find out what the religious scene was like in America at the time. He went to one very famous church and uh, came away rather cold by the experience. He described it as uh, simply recounting the current events from the pulpit. It was uh, a social club, he felt, of the elite, and it didn't move him. He had a friend uh, that he was studying with uh, who invited him to check out his church. This church was called the Abyssinian Baptist Church. It was then the largest church in America, and it was in Harlem. Uh, He went along to the church and was greatly struck by the presence of Christ. He said it was the first time he'd heard the gospel preached in America. So moved was he by this experience that he took back with him records of the gospel music that had been played at that church. And when he was studying with all his elite intellectuals, uh, he would uh, late in the evening get out these records and play them and say, look, look, look at this stuff. This is, this is the real thing. This is great. That man uh, wrote uh, some books and he was part actually of a plot unsuccessful to kill Adolf Hitler. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I wonder what it is you are seeking. 
What I think is astonishing about that story is that the man who invited him to church, far less well-known but was, is called Frank Fisher, stands for us as something of an example of the kind of centrality of this passage around the ministry of Andrew. Here in this passage, we have the second and three successive days of people coming to Jesus. And there are ministries of invitation. Next week, we'll come across Philip. But Andrew, every time he is mentioned in John's gospel, is bringing someone. Every time. Here he brings Simon. Peter the great apostle. Later in John's gospel, he's the one who points out to Jesus that there's a boy with a a few fish and some loaves who might be useful, brings him to Jesus. Later still in John's gospel, when uh, Jesus coming towards the end of his earthly ministry, some Greeks, that is some foreigners who have come to the feast and want to meet Jesus and find out more about him, well, Andrew's the one who brings that to Jesus' attention. Everywhere Andrew goes, he's just bringing people to Jesus. And what I want for us this morning as a church is to center today on this ministry of Andrew. First, to listen. Second, to follow. And third, to invite. First, listen. Look down with me, if you will, at verses 35 to 37 in your uh, Bibles. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Each of these three days is marked by this, the next day. Here's the middle one. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Well, this was what John had been saying uh, probably several times, but certainly for the second time. And the two disciples, now they hear him say this, they heard him say this, and they responded by, they followed Jesus. Now, so to be an Andrew means that we need to listen to hear what God is saying through his word. That's where it all begins. It all begins by having ears to hear. So John the Baptist is standing with his disciples. John looks at Jesus. John preaches to them. Again, he said already the same thing in verse 29, emphasizing, I think, the importance of repetition in any kind of communication or teaching. The most important thing in communication is simplicity, clarity, and repetition. Let me say that again. (laughs) Behold the Lamb of God. Well, they hear this now. The two disciples were on their phones and didn't hear what he said. Well, no, they hear. And so they follow Jesus. And if we want people to follow Jesus, we need ourselves to hear God's word. Perhaps you're here this morning and you are seeking truth. And what I encourage you to do is to be like Andrew, these two disciples, and have your ears wide open for what God might be saying to you. Not because I am such a special person and all the rest, but because we have the Bible open in front of us. And we believe that God is heard as the Bible is taught, as the gospel is proclaimed. And there is a remarkable way that God by His Spirit 
works so that the needs of his people, the needs of your heart, are brought into a meeting such as this. And unknown to me, so often I'll find and hear from you that such a moment and such a part of the message spoke directly to your needs that you've been carrying into the worship service this week. Encourage us then to have our ears open to what it is that God is saying. The art of listening. We are an expository preaching church. By that we mean that our task from the pulpit and at every level of the church is to explain God's Word. We want to be the kind of church where God speaks. That is, we get out of the way and let the text, the Scripture, be heard. But for us to be an expository church, we must also be a church not only given to expository teaching, but expository listening. There is an art to listening to sermons. There's an art to hearing John the Baptist say, behold the Lamb of God, and actually hearing that, and therefore responding to that. And it is an art that I know that many of us treasure and practice so that we are good soil, that the Word falls on and produces much fruit. Now, in our culture today, we do need to be particularly careful that we continue to learn to hear. Culture wars have tended to make you and I likely to only hear what we expect to hear. We have barriers around our ears that make it hard for us to listen in order to hear rather than just listen waiting for our turn to talk. So we're to listen. And note again as we looked last week what they listened to. They listened to the message of the Lamb of God. So the centrality of Christ, the centrality of the cross is right at the heart of all Christian experience and of all Christian teaching. And we are to listen to that kind of teaching and to seek that kind of ministry. So first, listen. Second, follow. This is verses 38 to 39. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. Uh, by the way, this is the first of three occasions here where the translation of the Hebrew is given, indicating that John, the author of the gospel, has in his mind probably the Greek-speaking um, uh, Hebrew diaspora so that they would understand what he means by these words. So he translates this word rabbi, which means in our language teacher. Well, they respond by saying, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. They followed Jesus. They went where Jesus was going. They literally walked behind Jesus and saw where he was staying, and then they stayed with 
Jesus. That word stayed, which here, of course, means physically stayed. When they got to the 10th hour, about 4 p.m., it was probably, therefore, almost dinner time. And it was the moment when food was being prepared, and so they stayed with Jesus for the evening meal. That word stayed is used throughout John's gospel, not simply and only as it is here in a sort of physical, literal sense, but in a spiritual sense as well. So when we come to John chapter 15, when Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches, and he says, stay with me, or as it is often translated, abide in me. Same word, same idea. So when we follow Jesus, we are literally walking behind him, Uh, We know from the Talmud, which is the uh, rabbinic writings, that in those days, rabbis would have their disciples literally walking behind them wherever they went. I've tried to do that with my staff team, but they don't want to comply. (laughs) But they would literally walk behind them wherever they were going. It was in the days before Twitter. And following meant following. And when they followed Jesus, therefore in our context, they were listening to what God was saying in in His Word and attempting to apply that Word to their lives, listening to His teaching, following behind Him, picking up, as it were, every breadcrumb of His teaching that they might apply it to their lives, eagerly wanting to learn more and more. As they followed Him, then they came to a place where He was staying, and they stayed with Him. Or as Jesus puts it in John chapter 15, they abided in Him. They remained with him. So as we look at now this model of Andrew who heard and then followed, there is underneath this second heading of following this issue of abiding or staying. And I want to commend that to you this morning. It is so easy, isn't it, for us to think of Christian truth simply as something that we need to learn, that we need to check off, you know, I did my devotionals this morning, check. I've read the book on the bookstall that was commended this week in Connections, check. I have been to my small group this morning, well, probably not this morning, but this week, check. I've been to my adult community class, check, all very, very good things, you're following but they also abided with Jesus. And it is a great secret, I think, not a secret because it's revealed in God's Word, but a great key to Christian maturity and growing Christ-likeness to actually sit in God's Word, to meditate upon God's Word. The, The term meditation has been used so wrongly that we almost need to reclaim it within Christian circles. When we talk about meditating on God's Word, we do not mean emptying our minds of the truth. We mean filling our minds with the truth. This is a little bit of a uncouth example, but I think it makes the point. Perhaps you know that certain animals have two stomachs, like a cow. And a cow, when it eats, would eat the grass once, and then it will go down to one stomach, and then it will come up again, and it will chew it again. It's called chewing the cud. And meditation is, as it were, chewing the cud. Chewing on God's Word. You go for a walk in the 
in the woods, you go out to St. James's farm, you go to some natural nature preserve, and it's quiet and it's silent, but you've, you've got God's Word in your mind, and you want to apply it. You, you want to apply the fact that God loves you, and yet you don't feel secure. You think that if you don't just do the right thing today, He will no longer bless you, but you want to apply that truth that God loves you, and you chew on that. You chew on it. So that by God's Spirit, it, it goes deep down into your mind and heart and changes how you react to God and how you treat other people. You've heard it said in God's Word that we are to be holy as God is holy, and yet there's this air of sin in your life, this, this, this compartment of, of a habitual air, area of sin that you find it so hard to break. And you confess that to God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling this area. I need your help. Would you please teach me how to mortify the deeds of the flesh? Put that to death. And you chew on the truth that you need to be holy. And you apply that truth. And you don't just hear, yeah, I've got to be holy, you know, whatever, next. You let it dig down. You remain with Jesus. You stay with Jesus. Jesus. You abide with Jesus. Or maybe there's some great issue in your life that you cannot solve. You've gone to counselors about it. You've gone to pastors about it. You've, you've prayed about it. You're just, you just have no idea what God is doing. It seems quite wrong. And actually, you're pretty angry about it, and you wish God would fix it now. Or maybe the answer is coming not today, but in the future. And so you, you abide. You abide. You cast your burdens on Him because He cares for you, and you abide, and you enjoy the presence of Jesus. Such was Andrew. He listened, he followed, and in following, he abided. Third, invite. This is verses 42 to 42, uh, 40 to 42, excuse me, probably the most practical part of the message. So um, listen up. Invite. Verses 40 to 42. One of those who heard, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. And again, he translates this, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, or of course, as if we were translated into our language today, means rock. Wouldn't you love it if that was your nickname? Rock. Your name is Brian. I'm going to call you Rock. Um, here is Peter then. So, of course, it's uh, obvious what happened, isn't it? Andrew listened to John. Andrew followed Jesus and abided with him. Andrew then invited. He found his brother Simon. He told him that he had discovered that Jesus was the Messiah. He's the one promised from long ago in the Scriptures. He has now arrived, the anointed one, that is the king, has arrived. Jesus, the king, is here. The one that the prophets promised, Simon, he's here, and I've met him, and I want you to meet him. 
But he didn't just stop there. He brought him to Jesus. And then Jesus gave Simon his famous nickname. So I want to commend the example of Andrew to you this morning, not only to listen, not only to follow and then abide, but also to invite. You say, how am I going to do that? It's all very well from, for you from the pulpit. Um, perhaps uh, you have a very nice, easy life. You work always among Christians, and you never have to uh, give your time or attention to how difficult it is to work in an office, whether office politics and rather difficult people. It must be so easy to work in Christian ministry. Uh, but for me, it's much harder. How can I do this? It's all very well for you to say that, Pastor. You know what I find when I introduce myself to someone who doesn't know what I do? And you know what happens when you're at a party or a coffee shop or something with some friends and some other people come in and you don't know and you're being introduced to them and you share what you do. And, you know, so I say to the person, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm an engineer. And he looks at me and says, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm a pastor. And then comes the moment of truth. They either talk to me about God or they talk to someone else. Pretty much always what happens. So in a sense, it's easier and harder for me. Well, let me give you some uh, tips that I think you will find helpful. Number one, identify your circle of influence. There is a place for cold evangelism, that is just going up to someone you know about for and telling them about Jesus. We certainly have the authority for that. All authority in heaven and earth has been given for us. But here we have an example of Andrew telling Simon, someone within his circle of influence, your family, your friends, the coffee house you visit, what is your circle of influence? Number one. Number two, pray for those closest to you. And perhaps do that now. Pray for that person you meet serving you coffee at Starbucks or wherever else you go. Ask God to give you an opportunity with that person, with your friend or your family or co-worker. Number three, speak to them of your own experience, your relationship to Jesus and what you're learning from God as you follow Jesus. Uh, Andrew didn't say uh, to Simon, um, Simon, I'm going to really preach to you. You know, I've got a lot of things I want to tell you about. Listen to me. He didn't say that. He said, Simon, we found the Messiah. Tell the person about your own experience of, uh, of Jesus. Of course, there is a place for preaching. Otherwise, I would not, be, you know, I'm a preacher. I believe in preaching. But in those relationships closest to you, begin at least by sharing what you have discovered yourself. Look, I found the Messiah. This person has changed my life. Number four, go with, don't send to. Andrew brought Simon. So you go with the person. After inviting them to church, you take them out for a brunch afterwards or a coffee. You walk in the door with them. It can be quite intimidating walking in a church like this. You wonder what you're going to discover on the other side of the door. So you walk in with the person. Come with me. Let's go together. And then finally, number five, well, don't pester people. You know, don't go on and on when someone doesn't want to hear from you. Don't pester people, but do be persistent. So you start with, sometime I love you to experience what I experienced at church. 
And then you go to, would you like to come along with me uh, at some point? I enjoy talking with you about it afterwards. And then you go to, how about this coming Sunday? I think it's going to be great uh, this week. On being an Andrew, listen, follow, invite. Now, what I want to say to us this morning is this. It seems to me that part of the solution, at least, part of the solution to the secularization challenge facing the church in the 21st century is found in Andrew. Is it by accident that the numbers of people coming to Christ may decline as the ministry of personal evangelism is less frequent? We live in a world where branding and salesmanship have moved from the commercial realm to the personal, even the religious. And in such a time, the personal invitation of a person known to you cuts through the religious marketing noise. So what I'm not advocating for is proselytism. Proselytism is learning from the cults tactics of using relationships to groom people, to psychologically manipulate them. Being an Andrew is not like that at all. It is the simple invitation to come along with me and see. An invitation from someone known to you gives the word of mouth credibility to uh, that invitation. It seems to me that this example of Andrew has been undermined in our days by its association with uh, salesman techniques to close the deal, and it has been undermined uh, recently by a false dichotomy between being an Andrew and being a good Samaritan. If we merely do good, people will think we are good we then, like Andrew, must invite people to come and see so they see that Jesus is God, not just that we are nice. And this ministry of Andrew has been undermined uh, somewhat recently by that phrase falsely attributed to Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words, which is a doubly ironic uh, mis. Um, misstep, misstatement, because not only did Francis of Assisi not say that, but Francis of Assisi was himself a renowned preacher. To say preach the gospel without using words, we like to say, say something without saying something, for the gospel is a word, it is a message. We cannot preach the gospel without words anymore, we can use words without words. But instead, as we see the ministry of Jesus, as we see the ministry of John the Baptist, as we see the ministry of Andrew, hey, Simon, come along with me. We find authentic living, authentic hearing of the Bible and being transformed by that, authentic following, following and abiding, and now a real personal invitation. On being an Andrew, listen, follow, invite. 
You know, it's not always obvious who are the most influential people in the, in the church or in the world. I love the story of the chief executive officer of the Massachusetts Life Insurance Company. One time he was uh, going for a drive with his wife and uh, they were running out of, uh, of gas in the car so they stopped at a gas station and uh, the gas attendant came up and started to help them with that and the CEO of the Massachusetts Life Insurance Company got out of the car to stretch his legs a little bit, went for a little bit of a walk. When he came back he found his wife talking animatedly to the gas attendant at the gas station. After they got back in the car and drove off, he turned to his wife and asked him who this, who this guy was that she was chatting to. And she said, well, you know, he's just this guy. We, we used to date back in the day, you know. And the, the CEO sort of scratched his head and thought for a moment and then said, oh, boy, are you lucky. If you'd married him, you would have been a, a, a wife of a gas attendant at a gas station rather than the wife of a CEO. To which his wife replied, my dear, if I'd married him, he would have been the CEO and you would have been the gas attendant. <laughs> Andrew. Andrew. Not the superstar celebrity. The Andrew. A Sunday school teacher in Boston had a student in his class who was intermittent in his attendance. One day, praying for the student, the Sunday school teacher felt compelled by the Spirit to go right there and then and tell the student the gospel. He got up, made his way to the factory where the student was working, walked to his workplace, and in front of everyone else, told the student the gospel of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The student said, nothing. The Sunday school teacher walked away. But later, that student started to follow Jesus. And the name of that student? D.L. Moody. Imagine what would have happened if that Sunday school teacher had not behaved like an Andrew. Imagine what would have happened if Frank Fisher had not invited Bonhoeffer to that gospel church. Imagine what would have happened if Andrew had not invited Simon Peter to see Jesus the Christ. Let us pray together. Our Lord, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this morning we wish to seek you and that. We thank you for those who have ministered to us like Andrew did to invite us. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be those who hear your word, follow, abide, remain with you, and invite others to meet you too. In the name of Jesus, amen.